Hello and welcome back to Bomb Battle, the Scandinavian La Liga podcast. And it has been, by anyone's standards, an action-packed week. So I feel like we should waste as little time as possible before we get into it because Alexander Jonsson has been living the good old hobo life in the Basque country for quite some time now. And a lot has happened in that period of time. So where do we begin, my friend? Well, a lot has happened since I left home, to, to be honest. I went, when was it, Thursday morning to Madrid um, got to this stadium called Santiago Bernabeu, got to see this incredible show, then jumped into a car the, the next morning uh, with some uh, journalists from San Sebastian and drew up to San Sebastian and have been here ever since, getting to see another incredible show yesterday from, uh, from our dear suite. So it's been, it's been full on completely. Yeah, I must say this is probably the best timing that you've ever managed to pull off in your long and decorated career as a journalist. You already sent us a really great report from the Bernabeu earlier this week and that flew off the shelves. I know people were really excited to hear from Alexander Isaac, but can you give me like a feeling of how it was to be there seeing Real Sociedad eliminate Real Madrid at the Bernabeu and progress to the Copa del Rey semis uh, thanks to our super Swede as well as our rather noble Norwegian? <laughs> Yeah, so firstly, it was a very last-minute decision for me to even go because obviously didn't know that they were going to be in the in the Copa quarterfinal or who they were going to play or anything until just a few days before it happened. I already planned to come here, hadn't booked flights or anything, realized this game was taking place at the Bernabeu and just went straight uh, to, to get, get it all done, get the accreditation and, and everything and, and went there. And I was a bit unsure if it would have been worth all the mess to, to just get there in time. It completely was. Um, first half sitting uh, up at the uh, in the press box watching the game and Alexander Isak is missing chance after chance after chance. And basically everyone is, is like, he has to score them because if you don't score those goals against Real Madrid, you're gonna suffer uh, and you're gonna lose it because of that. Um, so at the halftime, it was quite the different mood uh, around uh, the box when it came to Isaac. The second half starts, he gets that offside goal and it's like, it's just not his night. It's just not going to work, is it? Um, and then it completely does. Um, two goals, one assist. And he's also behind that first goal that our, our other Scandi, Martin Adegar, scored in the, in the first half. And, and basically people is like sitting looking at me like, yeah, this is what you, what you came here for. <laughs> uh, and it was incredible to see that live. And you, you really felt that this is something extra. Uh, this is not just a, a great performance. Seeing the way he did uh, and just how, how the entire game ended up when he got subbed out, uh, Real Sociedad were leading 4-1 against Real Madrid. Now it ended 4-3, uh, which also shows his impact when he, he went off. But to be there and, and, and see that, it just you, you you realize that you're like basically watching history Swedish football history being being in the making and that this is just the start and then uh, I got to talk to him in, in the mix zone afterwards and also what struck me with him there uh, which also done every time I spoke to him is that for him it's just so normal uh, I think for for most players if they are 20 years old come to Bernabeu and run the show it's the most insane thing ever and, and he's happy, of course, and everything, but it's just like another day at the office because he's so used to the hype around him. He's so used to all of it. So he's just extremely down to earth and he's like rushes off his shoulder a bit. And I think that is also one of the things to why he's probably going to end up becoming one of the, the greatest Swedish players we've seen at least. 
Yeah, what I was thinking about this was um, not least for this performance, but also for what followed afterwards. I'm kind of aware that you and I live in a little bit of a Swedish bubble, if you like, or even a Scandinavian bubble, if you like, when we talk about Aragorn as well, that we get super excited about these people, but I wonder how much other people were. So then, luckily, you uh, decided to go to the scene of the next great event of the weekend to the Basque Country for the big game, the Basque Derby, which hopefully will not be the last Basque Derby this season. We'll get to that later. Uh, And the great thing about that, though, is that you got to speak to people on the ground like fans of the different clubs and find out what they actually think of these people right yeah and just before we we listen to that going from madrid to san sebastian i went with two local journalists from san sebastian for four hours and as you said i've always also been thinking like am i exaggerating these things with alexander isaac because i'm a swede because it makes me extra excited but what i've realized is that not at all we have hadn't even left Madrid, and his name has been had been said at least fifteen times in that car. Go two hours later, and that was still the conversation going on in the car. And if there was ever a moment of of silence, as as you get when you do a road trip, someone would just go suddenly, "Qué brutal es Alexander Isaac," and he's like, and he was on again. And and the same when I when I came, arrived here in San Sebastian, wherever you go. Of course, there is Oyar Sabal is still the big hero here. You see that name on all the kids' shirts and, and things like that. But people talk about Alexander Isak everywhere. And last time I was here, it was all this, everyone was talking about Adegard. Uh, but now it's after these few days and, and everything he's doing, if you're in the, in the press box or um, in the mix zone, all the journalists, if you're walking on the street, you hear, hear Isak's name. It's, it's just completely mad. Okay, so, well, that seems like the perfect time to get a flavor of what some of the people, the mad people that you spoke to on Sunday uh, in San Sebastian had to say about the whole affair. So let's hear them. As we're a Scandinavian podcast, we, we always want to get the Scandinavians. What do you think of Odegaard and Isak? I mean, I really hope they can sign Odegaard. Uh, they've got him alone for two years. After his performance against Real Madrid in midweek, um, I'm sure they'll be interested to take him back. He has been absolutely phenomenal. If you watch Real Sociedad, you see how he controls the games, how he plays the passes and creates the play. And Isaac, he's starting to play more now and he's scoring lots of goals. He has so much potential. They're both very young and they've got a great future. Hopefully, hopefully they'll stay here. And you just told me that you are already booked fights uh, for uh, Sevilla if Real Sociedad would manage to, to make it to the final of the Copa del Rey. How do you feel about the chances? Well, um, they changed the format of the Copa this year. So up until now, we've had a one-leg game of extra time and penalties if needed. But when we get to the semi, it's a two-legged affair. So, yeah, although Mirandes and Granada for Athletic, they're both sec- second division teams, it's, still, it's, no, it's not confirmed, but... We have to anticipate what could happen and you know, I'm willing to take a hit. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, but I want to do it before the price rises. What, what they say about that Athletic Club is they, their aim is not to win. Their, their aim is to resist, to stay with their philosophy and to actually they manage to stay in first division forever. So I think that it's more important than win single games on single tournaments. Uh, something could be advantage because they can sign these two Scandinavian players, but we are happy with what we have. And both Real Sociedad and Athletic are through in the Copa del Rey. How, how far do you think Athletic can go? And how important was it to get that win against Barcelona? I think it was very special and magic because nobody could explain it, uh, could uh, uh, wait this from the beginning. 
everybody wants a Basque final and uh, now it's not one single game since two games so it could happen uh, let's see well the the only thing is this this game will not be maybe so important because especially for us the the main aim now is is the Copa and Real Sociedad is also today not playing with the best players because they have also the clash next week the Real Sociedad we've um, enjoyed good uh, Swedish players in the past like Håkan uh, Mild or Norwegians like Kavarme but uh, Martins is top level uh, he's one of the best players uh, I've ever seen in, in this stadium and I've seen uh, quite a few. And Isaac, on the other hand, is starting to play regularly and he's beginning to impress. He's got pace, he's very young and we hope to see him progress here many years. Alright, thank you for your, your roving reporter work on the ground there. It must have been a pretty busy day for you. I mean, I know it was kind of action-packed, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. And they also decided to show the the women's game. The Real Sociedad uh, women's team played the Supercopa final against Barcelona, uh, which not ended with a very good result for them. But they decided to show that game on big screens outside of uh, of the stadium and inside uh, the stadiums and from 12 o'clock. So there was loads of people all around uh, uh, and incredible atmosphere and one very rare thing happened as well it was good weather for a basque derby that never happens it normally rains it's normally windy i was here last year for for the derby and it was one of the coolest games i've been to but the sun was up it was a blue sky and it was just the the great party that it is when when it is a, a basque derby um and brilliantly I had the time to go and speak to these people to get a little bit touch for for Bombasso. then i saw the game uh, from the pitch, sitting, and I think I, I could take the decision of going up in the press box or sitting by the pitch. And I took the decision after thinking a lot about it to sit behind one of the goals. And with Alexander Isak starting on the bench, coming on in the second half and only doing all his attacking towards that goal. I think it's one of the best decisions I've taken because to get to see him that close like basically two meters away from me and see what he's doing with the ball, the way he runs and then behind me I had the main singing fans of Real Sociedad. I was hit in the head with a flag twice before the game had even started. <laughs> um, that's how close you are to the fans and then how close you are to the pitch, which is the great thing with the, with the new Anueta or La Reala uh, Arena, as it's called now, um, that you don't have the running tracks and you're so close. And it's so all of it is amazing. The attendance was the best attendance that they've had, I think, at least uh, this season, possibly since Anahuata was open, because I guess the capacity would be bigger than it ever has been, right? Yeah, I think so. And it was the atmosphere was just incredible. And when also, again, showing this that we're saying with these, like that it's just not us making it up, uh, how big he is at the moment. Three players comes out to warm up and they just start singing his song in five seconds because he's one of them is even noticing that the two players but Isaac is coming out his song is going on as soon as he's entering the pitch his song is going on as soon as he does something his song is going on it's like constant behind behind me is is the Isaac song which is is brilliant and two Swedish flags I saw as well in the stands so I think it's not just us making this up Lee. I think I've been thinking about this there's something quite interesting and um commendable about the marketing that Real Sociedad have done as well because they've been pushing this whole we the north thing with Isaac and Aragorn and I do think genuinely it feels like there's some kind of like he's one of us or they're one of us you know or they're from like a sort of slightly colder part you know they're from somewhere where you have to sort of dig in and fight it feels like there's some kind of connection there that that goes beyond just like a normal players at a club 
Yeah, definitely. And I think also the, the fact that Real Sociedad is such a club that ca- where they care so much about their heritage and, and where they're from. It's like when you talk about women's and men's football, here it's not separate, here it's Basque football. That's because that's what they are pr- proud of. And I think the fact that these are two kids, because they are kids, uh, coming from Northern Europe and here they are so proud to be the Northerns of, of this country. It just fits perfectly in for them. And they all always want this, that we're the Basques. And now when they have two players who's not from the Basque country being being so good to be able to kind of put them into this, I think, I think makes them extra extra happy about and. And also, one more thing with, with Isaac is after this game, when he was leaving in his car, um, fans were waiting for him, singing his song, and he uh, w- went with it with the, uh, what's it called, the, uh, on your car. I've lost the word. Help me with my English, Lee. The, the horn. The horn, thank the you. Horn. Went in with the horn and got into to the melody of the song. Uh, so, now nah, he was, and, and once again, as I said, with the Bernabeu performance, probably even more with the performance in the Basque Derby, see the impact he had when he came on. Completely changed the entire game. I think in one minute he had created more chances than we'd seen all game. And it's not just the goals, because he scored now, I think it's eight goals in, in six games, which is completely insane. But it's the fact his movement is decision-making, always the correct decision, and always so calm in everything he does. And, and when you see that so close up as well, it, it's just impersonating. And... And you realize, I was talking to this with a lot of people afterwards as well, that, as I said before, with the Bernabeu performance, even more with this performance, that we, we're watching history in the making here because this is something big that it, that is about to happen with this guy. Yeah, I think I agree with you, actually. The Bernabeu performance is incredible, but the more impressive thing about the, the performance at the weekend is it's so concentrated because he starts on the bench, so he has very short amount of time to come into the game to feel his way in and to start. But his, his impact is immediate. He... Do you know that Spanish phrase, like everything he does tiene sentido, it's like everything has purpose, everything helps Real Sociedad progress somehow. And even like the, I think he had five shots in total and he scored and assisted uh, and one might have been either saved or hit the post or something, I don't know. But in any case, he, he, if you look at where he was shooting from, he was getting into really, really good areas in the box. He was beating his man and creating space and he was just constantly driving the team forward. And I thought this whole match in general was kind of perfect because when we saw that there was that he was going to be on the bench that he wasn't started it was like it felt like a little bit of a, a not a letdown but a disappointment obviously at the same time it also shows us how seriously Real Sociedad and Athletic Club are taking the Copa del Rey they really want to win this trophy now and they feel like they can win it and then in the second half we get Isaac anyway and he has for me I thought it I know Porto won the the man of the match uh award or the king of the match or whatever they want to call it for their marketing purposes but for me I mean you could you could toss a coin between the two of them I mean I guess Porto was on the pitch longer so it might be easier to to say him but for me he's like changed the game there's like a before and after he comes on and Real Sociedad are significantly better when he comes on and now I'm just so excited to see where he goes I actually I didn't want to want to put this out there in public but I think it's worth saying now I don't think it's now just a question of whether he can be as good as Zlatan. I think it's a question of whether he can be better. Because if you look at the numbers already, this kid's 20 years old, okay? He's seven goals away from matching Zlatan Ibrahimovic's return in a Barcelona shirt, which Zlatan did after he'd been at Juve and Inter, also Ajax. So he'd already been out in major leagues, having a chance to compete at the highest level, having a chance to compete in the Champions League. And he got, was it 21 goals or something like that? Isaac hasn't had any of that. 
He's had a spell with Dortmund where he barely played. He's had a spell in the Netherlands, but not for one of the better teams. And he's had half a season in La Liga where he wasn't regularly playing. And now he's only seven goals off matching that return. It's insane. This kid, his potential is outrageous. And it's, I don't think we're getting carried away. He can be as good as he wants to be, I think. 100%. And and one thing that with Isaac, but we also said that in, in general that, that I was talking to some people about yesterday and start to think about is we've been talking about with Odegaard as well that he might go back to Real Madrid when the season ends. But he has a one plus one loan deal. Uh, so basically, it's supposed to be a two-year loan deal, but you can't really have that in Spain. So they've made it one plus one. So Real Sociedad is probably going to do everything they can to keep him. Um, and I think in the end, it's it's going to be up to, to Odegaard what he thinks is, is best for, for his development. And if we look at Isaac, a lot of people are now starting to talk, what club is going to sign him? Where is he going to go? Uh, and here's also the thing, like we discussed before, that right now at his part of the, his career as well as with Adegard, I, I feel that there is no better spot than Real Sociedad. Um, it's not to say that he should be here for five years or anything like that but I think if you if Real Sociedad managed to keep Isaac, if Isaac is smart which he is, I think there is a small possibility or a possibility that even if he gets huge offers that he will be calm enough to be like well I will get them after the next year as well so I can stay here one more season develop even more and then take the step when the time is right and if Real Sociedad managed to get Isaac to do that managed to get Odegaard to stay on one more season just imagine the team they can have next season because this season is kind of putting the the pieces at the right spot and finding how to play uh, and it's an extremely young team but so talented I would Real Sociedad has an incredible youth academy but I would even go so far to say that this is a golden generation as well like the players they have right now the experience they have but at the same time the youth that they have and if you Porto for example I just saw that he has scored the most goals in La Liga this season of any Spanish player so you have that as well which we're not talking that much about because of Adegard and Isaac but there's like Oyar Sabal is incredible as well you have Baranchea this 18 year old who is one of my favorites to watch in the entire league this season so all of that and then get the, the rest of this season, a pre-season, and you just imagine what Real Sociedad could potentially do next season if they get to keep that and work on that. That could be in, just incredible. And Yaramendi isn't even fit, who in this kind of style of play is a really useful player to have around. I think I agree with you, though. I reckon that for both Aragorn and uh, for Isaac, the best thing would be if both of them get another season together at Real Sociedad, because when you have momentum like this, don't break it keep rolling with it, keep developing, keep getting better. And I think that there's a risk that even though they're both exceptionally talented, if in the summer they go their separate ways, you won't see the best of Erdegaard without Isaac quite yet and you won't see the best of Isaac without Erdegaard quite yet. And I think if they finish in a European position or if they get to Europe through the Copa del Rey, which now of course they have another very good opportunity to get there, that would be a really attractive uh, incentive for both of them to stay on because then they can get some Europa League football under their belt and that's another way to develop and then after a year of that, then it's time to go out into the world and you're at your top potential to try and make an impact at a, at a further level still than what they're at at the moment. Exactly. I think it's about this patience that a lot of players don't really have because if they get that big offer from Barcelona or Real Madrid, they just want to go there because it might be their only shot. But with Odegaard and Isaac, I think there is a possibility for them to actually think the way we're saying right now because these are two guys who have that patience or have showed that before um, and if they can keep that because as you say, I think stay one more year here and with that team that I just described, 
this is going to be the highest of level they are playing football. They're going to play against the biggest teams in Spain. If they reach Europe, they're going to play there as well. So it's not like they're playing on a low level. It's a perfect level for the development and then leave after that season and they'll probably be in the best position they could be to be ready to take that step to Real Madrid or to any big club that, that it could be. As much as we want to talk about Real Sociedad and Isaac and other go forever, I think we should also touch on Athletic because it's been a big week for them. And even if they didn't win this game at the weekend, I thought the the fact that they really fought back in the, the second half after going to go down in San Sebastian, uh, quite quickly actually, and Iñaki Williams got his second goal in two games in all competitions, I guess, um, was quite a positive sign for them. But I don't know about you, but I feel now looking at the table that... This athletic side, they're they're route into Europe and you know, playing in Europe is really important for them. Their best route in, route into Europe may well be through the cup now because they're starting to fall behind a little bit on the league table, but you know, three games is all you need to get through to get to Europe through the Copa now for them. And they are actually quite a well built team for a cup competition. They showed us that when they eliminated Barcelona. So I wouldn't be hugely surprised if that in the back of their minds they know and also the club has a great history and a great prestige and winning the Copa del Rey and doing well in that format. I wonder if there might just be a little bit in their back of their minds to say, okay, maybe not focus on this, but realize that this is a really big opportunity for us now, not only to win our first proper major trophy for discounting Supercopa since the 1980s, I think, but also to get into Europe that way. Yeah, and I was also uh, yesterday after the game is looking when was the last time Atletic won a game in La Liga and was back in December. So they've been drawing a lot, like happened last season, if you remember, under Berisso, where they were just drawing and drawing and drawing, not playing bad football, not the coach was liked, but they just couldn't win matches and it kind of became psychological. And I feel like it might start to get like that again in La Liga, but in the cup, they are they have been different. Um, and even it's the same team, etc. But being is in a different competition can, can be, we, we see that with Real Madrid, for instance, when it comes to the Champions League, they play differently in the Champions League, a different level than they sometimes do in La Liga. And I think that that might be a, a case with Atletic this, this season as well. And as you say, so the Copa might be their biggest chance and it is their tournament, but it's a tournament that they haven't won for so, so many years. But historically, it's their tournament. So I think they are very, very eager to, to get, get that back. And now with Barcelona, Real Madrid out, Atletico out, there is a huge possibility to actually win it. Just make that final and, and then, then you're half there. If both Athletic and Real Sociedad have a good first leg in the Copa as well, because again, we shouldn't assume that Mirandes and Granada are just going to roll over. That's not the case. Both of those teams, again, in tribute to the new format of the Copa del Rey, can see that they have a chance to do something really big here and are desperate to get to the final. But if Athletic and Real Sociedad both have a, a good first leg, then everyone's going to be talking about the all-Basque final. And then you'll start to see that emotional hype build up as well, because you'll get the story of like Aluris, for example, thrown in, you know, could he go out on the best possible way with a, a cup win? Um, and then there's the other thing that we've not talked about, which is the fact that this is now the first Copa final and the new fixed home for a few years that they're going to have, which is La Cartuja in Sevilla. I guess the average punter is not following Spanish football so well, may remember it as the UEFA Cup final stadium from the Porto Celtic final from a long, long time ago now, when I was just a kid, actually. Um this is an odd one because I just quickly want to hear your opinion on this. I quite like the idea of it being a fixed game in a neutral ground because it takes away all the fuss that we get every year where they're trying to figure out where the hell they're going to play the Copa del Rey final. Some teams telling them that, no, sorry, you can't play it here because the bathrooms are being fixed. Other teams saying, no, we don't want to play there because that's you know one of the finalists' home ground, which makes sense to me. This takes away all that fuss, but the problem is it's not a very good stadium. 
it's not a very good stadium for football. It's not a very good stadium full stop. It's essentially a white elephant that was a lot of money was spent on it and is rarely ever used because no one really wants to play there. So I'm a little bit up in the air about this. But then Sevilla is an amazing football city. Can you imagine if it was an athletic Real Sociedad final in Sevilla and it's like concentrated invasion of people from the Basque country it would be incredible. I don't know. Where, where do you sit on this? No, I, I agree with you on, on most of those points. I, I think it's about time that they decide on one stadium and especially decide a stadium before the we're getting close to the final because it's a problem every single season and we go through it and it's problematic and there's fights and we had like when Barcelona and Athletic were, were playing final they ended up being played at Camp Nou because none of the Madrid teams would agree to have it there and uh, it was between San Mamés and Camp Nou and Athletic agreed to have it at Camp Nou because then they could bring more fans um but but that becomes also wrong, like to play in, in someone's home. Uh, so I definitely think it's it's right to finally decide on a stadium and have that as the stadium for the Copa Rey. I've heard a few people complaining about it being in Sevilla because it's in the south. You should have it more centralized. But as you say, Sevilla is an incredible football city. Uh, the passion there. So I have no problem with that. Also, had people like now when it's potentially being a Basque but that's going to be such a far travel for the Basque fans from the up north all the way to the south so maybe won't come so much fans I just had to say to that to people say that they don't know Basque fans if Real Sociedad and Athletic Club make a final of the Copa del Rey they're gonna come as many as possible they're gonna come more people than they have tickets I remember when I lived in Barcelona and Athletic played the cup final there they they had came like 30,000 more on what, what they had tickets. The entire city is takeover. And we're going to see that with Real Sociedad and Athletic, even if it's down in Sevilla. They don't care about where it is. They're just going to go there. Uh, talking about the stadium, I agree with you that it is not the most amazing stadium. It's a stadium, they, they built it, and their, their idea was that uh, Betis and Sevilla were going to share it. And that was never going to happen. Uh, both of the clubs obviously refuse. They don't want to leave their stadiums and definitely don't want to share with, with their arch rival. Um, so it just became a stadium that never, very, very few things happens there and it just kind of stands there. Uh, the positive thing for the stadium itself, I think, about this is if this makes for a recovery of the stadium. Because I heard something about them taking away the running tracks for next season. Um, and if they take away the running tracks, get the seats closer so we don't have that space. If they refresh the stadium and like make it a good stadium, then it can actually be like we're saving a football stadium. So I think it could end up being good. But then again, it is Spain. So that's probably just going to be talk and nothing going to happen. Uh, so as a stadium, it's it's not that that great. But uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I'm a bit torn if, if I like it or not the, the decision. I, I think the federation must be desperate now for it to be a Basque final because if you look at the four teams that are in the mix that would be by far the game that draws the most spectators and also it would be a great way to kick off this run of having the final in that particular location. I mean like you said, more people than the entire capacity of the stadium will, will travel for that game, I have no doubt about it. No Real Sociedad fan and no Athletic fan, even the most casual fan who maybe doesn't go to games as often as he used to is maybe a little bit older, a little bit less engaged than you know back in the glory days in the 80s and whatnot none of them are going to want to miss that the chance to win the Copa del Rey against your arch rival the team that you have interaction with more than any other it'll be a complete invasion of uh, Seville but hey we should also be respectful to the other teams that it may not happen but you know it, it would be quite a special occasion and as a objectively I have to say it would be the one I would want to see and we're not that far away from it 
And and yes, as when I, I spoke to to Liam outside the ground yesterday, he said he had already booked his flight ticket and hotel for Sevilla just in case they make it to the final because it's gonna be so loud, it's gonna be impossible to get get a hold of it. So you have to start now, start preparing, knowing that it's a huge risk because it could be knocked out by Mirandes. But you know, if you're gonna have a chance to get there, you you really need to start planning now. I really really hope for his sake that it works out the way that he had wanted to. Well. We are now probably like two thirds of the way through the show and we've not really done our every week dedicated Scandi watch, which in a sense makes sense because it's been a bit of an odd week for the Scandies. Some of them haven't even played when they usually do. Others have had a better occasion. We've already touched on one of them. Do you have the roundup for our Scandinavian enthusiasts? So to start with, Daniel Vaz was suspended, uh, so he did not play for Valencia, but uh, Florenzi came on um, as the, the right back and got sent off. <laughs> so we'll probably see Daniel Vaz next week. <laughs> um, for Martin Braithwaite, played 90 minutes, I think, in total for, for Leganes against Levante. They lost 2-0. Not really a lot to report from that game either. Um, and then it was obviously Alexander Isak. We already covered as much as you can cover about him. I think you guys know he played in the cup. 90 minutes, no, not 90 minutes, but from start, and he came on uh, in the Bass Derby. And this week, I've seen Alexander Isak score three goals and made two assists. Um, no, four, yeah, three goals, two assists, and one offside goal as well. That, that's quite impressive. Martin Aregard played at the Barnabeu. Um, he scored one of the goals. Uh, he was also subbed out because he got a, a small injury, which meant they rested him. I'm not sure if they comp- if it was that he was completely injured and absolutely couldn't play in the Bastard. But I think he could have played if it was super important. They'd rather have him fit for the Copa game. So he had a little bit of a hit, but they rested him. He's probably going to be, be playing in the Copa del Rey. Um, and then our last Scandi, he made some noise again. Pione Sisto or Sione Pisto, uh, as some call him. Uh, <laughs> started on the bench again for Celta. Uh, but we're going to go in more to it. And I think that the the problem he had with Oscar Garcia is gone. Um, I'm going to explain that soon. He came on very early, already in 40... Yeah, start of the second half. Scored the winner for Celta in the last minute. And we're going to go into that. But I think that changes a lot for Celta de Vigo and for the, the battle of the relegation zone. Yeah, so that's what we're going to close and we'll take a look at because I think the relegation battle now is really fascinating. So, I mean, I'm tempted to be careful with this one because I want to say that, oh, have Celta turned a corner now, but that's almost a little bit ridiculous because then, you know, one result does not completely change everything and the reality is that it's like a win after four games or whatever it was or more than that where they haven't won. But what does this mean? Not just for Sisto because obviously... It, would you hope change his, uh, his relationship with the boss that had started to sour, like you said, but what does it mean for Celta as well? Is it just the, the breathing space that they needed to start the ball rolling or is there a risk that we get too carried away with this? So to go through both of the things, so with Pione Sisto, I think the problem between him and Oscar was solved already before this game. Uh, so he got a sanctioned, uh, which meant that he had to pay the entire a meal for the entire team, which in the end I think was just good because he's, they just need as much team unity as, as possible at this time. And he's been dancing all week in the training ground. There, there's been videos and, and talks about it, like <laughs> the 15 minutes journalist gets, he's been like singing around on the pitch and being as happy as he can possibly be. What's also interesting was as after this game, I saw that Oscar went out to the pitch and 
just went and looked for Sister, went up to him and gave him a hug. So I think that the, also, I think Sister understands as well that his career has kind of been revived a little bit since Oscar came. Because uh, he was, as we has talked about before, out in the cold uh, at Celta, not playing at all. And now he, he's kind of uh, together with Aspas and so on, a little bit the hero at the moment. So I think that the connection between Oscar and Sister is quite good now. I think it was the heat of the moment and it got worse and sounded worse than it probably was and was kind of uh, fixed quite early. Uh, so it looks great in that sense now. Uh, talking about Celta... I think this was exact. There was nothing better than this that they could have gone. So the problem for them lately has not really been the football because their football has involved. You, if you watch the games and not just the results, they've been playing better and better in football. Uh, the attitude among the players have been become better and better and better. But they just can't win, and that's where the psychological things come in. And it's been like a block for them where you where you see Iago Aspas take wrong decisions and miss chances he would never do, and and all of them. It's like they do everything right until the final third. And what I find quite interesting with this game was that Sister's goal was post-in. And that's Celta's season lately has been post-out. And post-in is just what they need right now. Get that little bit of luck. Feeling that they get that little bit of luck. Because they're feeling that they have had been super unlucky. Um, also, before this game, I was, I've been talking to Celta fans. I said, like, the one thing I think Celta needs, because this is not anymore about coaching or anything like that. This is all up in, in their minds at this point. They need a win, but they don't just need a win. Because you can get a win against Eibar or any of the teams at the bottom. They need a win against a big team. They need a win to be even better if it is as dramatic as this was. Because uh, I've seen it so many, we've seen it so many times in football. I've talked about it before Valencia last season when they came to Balaidos, they were horrible, and they got that win. It's like it, they still played bad, but they got that win and they got in the last minutes. And after that, it was a complete change around. Because if you have the players and you have the coach and you play good football, but you can't win, if you get that, it can change everything. I, we can't say that it has changed everything because we can't know that yet. But I think. They couldn't have, this was exactly what they needed. They needed that type of win in the last minute against a team at the top of the table. And you used to see the reactions of the players afterwards. You had Rafinha screaming and like falling together on the pitch and crying. He was like completely out of it, had no energy left. And, and you see the players, like how much it means for them and the team unity that they have kind of created in all of this somehow. Um, and I, I, I truly think that this will be the change for Celta de Vigo. Now they have Real Madrid coming up at the Bernabeu, which is going to be difficult. Uh, but then they have Leganés, and that's going to be such a huge game. Can they win Leganés at home? Then I think that they're going to make the, their way out of, of that relegation battle in the end and, and stay up in La Liga in the end. And sometimes the timing is just as important as the result itself. Because if you look now down at the bottom of the table, had Celta lost this weekend, it would have been a disaster. But now they're two points clear of a, a They would have been three. bottom. Yeah, exactly. They're two points clear of a bottom three that is all level and 18 points. So this is not only the, the twist of fate that they needed to go their way in terms of taking three points, but also the timing. And then if they can 
next we would we would, we would i don't think they would write off real madrid but they would assume that it's unlikely that they're going to take much from that and then they go into the leg game confident and it could make a real difference however i don't want to just focus only on celta because i think the other most noteworthy result down at the bottom this weekend was espanol who packed the rcde stadium or whatever they're calling it these days to see their team finally get a home win which they've been chasing for quite some time uh for the first time in nine months, I think it is, in La Liga, which is an incredible stat. Thanks to, I think we're going to have to say it, the guy who may well be the winter signing of, of the season anywhere in Europe, thanks to Raul de Tomas, a guy who I've long loved, a guy who I've, I've always championed uh, as a potential La Liga-level footballer. He's got five goals in five games in all competitions since coming to Espanyol. I mean, it's ridiculous. A return like that in a team like Espanyol says a lot. I was talking to Seymour's La Liga commentator, Adam Paintorp, about this, and I think I agree with him. If he keeps this up, like surely Spain have to think about RDT because he's a goal machine, man. If you give him the chances and you put him in, in the team and give him the minutes, he's going to score. It's what he does. I think he's one of the most exciting number nines in La Liga, even if he's playing for the team that are, in theory, the worst team in La Liga right now. No, it's incredible. I, I really think that Espanyol might have saved themselves this transfer window saved them back in La Liga. They're still at the bottom of the table, but as you said before, they're on the same points as Mallorca and Leganes now, and they were far, far behind before. Um, and now they actually feel like one of those teams that might get out of it and stay up, even though they're still at the bottom. So I, they've done a complete turnaround, and it's obviously long to go, but they just made a complete right signings. Again, as we said before, they probably should have done those signings at the start of the season and it wouldn't be in the mess they are right now. Uh, but that's that's been so, so big and, and so big for the relegation battle. And also, I, the, the relegation battle this season, I think we had a quite tight one last year, but last season, but this one is, is even even crazier. And I'm not sure I've seen, seen this in, in La Liga for a lot, a lot of years with so, so many teams so close to each other uh, at the bottom and... It's really hard at this moment to say what three teams are going to get out, go out. Well, let's talk about that then because there's so much potential for change that just in a couple of weeks' time, this bottom three could look entirely different. So I'm curious to get your opinion about who you think one of the victims might be of some transition at the bottom. I'll put mine out there first. I'm marginally worried about Valladolid. I know they're really solid, but they've had the same problem that they had last season, which is that they really struggle to score goals. And I always feel like eventually that's going to catch up on you if you can't get enough goals and you can't get enough wins and, you know, you can't really draw yourself to survival. You need to start picking up three points here and there, especially if other teams like Espanyol, like Celta are starting to pick up three points. And if they put a run together, then suddenly, you know, a few draws in a row for Valladolid could go from being something that was positive and keeping them above the watermark to something that sees them drop down. I mean, they're still they're eight points clear just now. But that difference can be made up pretty quickly. But who who do you think? Is there anyone around that drop zone that you think could potentially slide in there? So one team that, that I'm quite worried about is Eibar. So Eibar still has Ipurua, which is a very, very good fortress for them. Um, they have their ups and downs there, but they in, in, in general, they're very, very strong at home. Uh, but looking at it overall, they, they're just not the same Eibar as we've seen the last couple of seasons. And it feels like this fairy tale of theirs might be getting close to its end because they they have been struggling so so much this season and not been able to really reach that that same same level and as as we're saying with the teams under them starting to perform now and, and starting to get the results it could very very likely see them just drop down there 
which would be sad, I think all of us think, but I am slightly worried about them at this point. It would be a real shame to see them go, but I think as you pointed out quite rightly a few episodes ago, Abar are smart and the people in charge of them are smart and they've been planning always with the, the theory that, you know, it's a miracle and it's a bonus that they're in La Liga and they do their best work to try and stay there, but they know that one day the day might come when other budgets just catch up on them, other teams get their act together, a few things don't go their way and they just have the, the bad combination of fortune and, and results that means that they slip, but... There's time yet. Um, a lot could still change and we'll see if Espanyol and Celta, for example, do manage to turn this into something more significant than it is. Otherwise, we could be back here talking in three weeks about them failing to do that and, and Avar are still clear. So let's see. Everything can happen. The ball is round. The ball is round. <laughs> Quote Alexander Jonsson, February 10th, 2020. The ball is round. I don't know about you, but I think that's probably everything that we need to hit today. I know that we've got a lot of exciting midweek action coming up um, shortly, so there'll be plenty to talk about. But for now, I think we need to all just absorb our Basque football bonanza hangover and uh, recover for next week. Yeah, I agree. Get get that Isaac song, Stop Singing Constantly in the Head. <laughs> Long may it continue. It's time to say goodbye, everybody, then, I think. So, bye-bye, everybody. Agur. Agur. See my past, yeah.